Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Good evening, everyone, and thank you so much for being with me for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so thrilled to have with me in the studio this evening a local woman. Her name is Meg Vino, and Meg is the creative director and owner of Life's Patina at Willowbrook Farm. And also uh, soon to open, I believe in 2020, uh, Life's Patina Mercantile and Cafe in the historic Yellow Springs of Chester County, Pennsylvania. So we're going to be hearing about Meg's story in just a moment. You'll also hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors during the breaks. So uh, be sure to stay with us to hear about your health, finance, technology, and leadership from Nutrisystem, Fortis Wealth, Jefferson, and Pathways Technology. Pathways Consulting, I should say. And uh, we'd love to hear from you, our listeners, so please visit us at womentowatch.net for all things related to the show. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. And you can pick up the podcast and follow us on our social media pages Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well, at Women to Watch. And now I'd like to welcome to the show Meg Vino. Meg, thanks so much for coming in today. I'm real excited to share your story. You are quite welcome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, so I uh, I wanted to start with a quote in my research and doing my homework, uh, reading about you. I, I picked up this quote that I think perhaps says a lot about you and, and who you are. You said, I became a nurturer at a very early age and filled the traditional role as uh, the oldest child of five, a people pleaser and responsible. And I guess my question for you is, do, was that innately who you were or do you think you fell into that role, um, you know, by circumstance? That's a good question. I think that innately 
that is who I am. Um, but I think it was fostered being the only uh, oldest child and with parents that were incredibly loving and we had a wonderful family unit. And I was just kind of um, easily fell into that role. And I was very um, happy and loving and, and loved that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the pictures I shared of you when you were younger, you know, you're you're with two siblings, but you're right. holding your little brother's hand. Right. Exactly. In a way that looked like, OK, I'm in charge here. <laughs> yep. And I think I was put in charge a lot. Um, we moved around a lot when I was younger. And for every move, as we know, in all families, if you have a larger family, the oldest kind of looks after the next in line, the next in line looks after the next in line and so on and so on. And but it's always kind of the oldest that is the end of that chain and gets the final, you know, no, you can't do that. Yes, you can do that. Let's change your clothes. Let's do this. And that's what I did. Yeah. It's interesting to me. I think a lot of the women I interview are oldest, Mm, uh, oldest in the family. And what did your dad do that uh, had you moving around so much? He was a rep for um, an engineering firm. Okay. uh, Plastics and engineering. Yeah. And did you grow up on a farm? I did not. We moved to a farm when I was 13. Okay. And um, I think that move really profoundly affected me for who I am today. Yeah. A Mm -hmm. lot of your work is revolves around restoring old homes. And um, I've always loved the stories behind old Mm -hmm. homes. You know, I always want to know who who was the first. Right. And and where did they come from? Did you always have an interest in history? You know, growing up, um, we also traveled a lot and did a lot of road trips. They were all by car, and we stopped um, at every kind of historical site on the way. And I credit my parents really for showing me that side of life and for um, respecting the past. And Mm -hmm. um, we've kind of maintained that throughout, you know, that journey of growing up. And then when we moved to this farm when I was 13, I felt a real affinity and connection to old um, because the house was very old. It was had been vacant for three years. And that renovation project there with my dad, who did most of the work, mm-hmm. um, and I was always kind of his sidekick doing wallpaper and painting, and he showed me the ropes, yeah. um, really led me to a love of the uniqueness of old homes and yeah. their stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something you shared with me before the show was that mm-hmm. um, your dad did that with you, but he also mm-hmm. seemed to be the kind of father that... Um, you know, wasn't going to let you whine and complain. No, and <laughs> not at all. No, no. If there was no blood, he didn't want to hear it. That's was and he mantra. was very stoic. Yeah, he still is today. Very stoic and very. Um, y- you just kind of keep going no matter what, mm. and um, I think that's a positive attribute. Attribute in some regards, and can be negative at times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a fine line between those two. Yeah. Well, I think that you know those tr- fathers who are traditionally that way. Mm-hmm. As children, I think we have a desire to know who they are and right. what is their story, right? Right, But they were not willing to share. Not as much. He, um, His mother, he's an English background and mm-hmm. an Irish father. And I think the English um, are very um, stoic and don't like to talk about a lot of things. They just, they're doers. And so are the Irish and they're hardy mm-hmm. people and, and, and they just get it done. Yeah. And I think that's where he came from. His dad was in the Navy um, and then was um, a businessman after that. But um, I think they just got things done. Yeah. And that's kind of what he passed on to us. We can do it. He's, a, you know, he, he doesn't bring other people in to do any of his, 
you know, fixing a broken pipe or whatever the case may be. It was yeah. always he would figure out a way to do it. Yeah. And he kind of passed that on. When we talk further about your story and some yep. of your personal challenges, I would say that that came in very handy very. for you. You know, that very. resilience and the I can do it. Absolutely. Um, you went on to become a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Did you teach history? I or, did not. Okay. I was a first and a third grade teacher. Mm-hmm. So elementary ed. Okay. Um, so you you teach all everything everything wow <laughs> yes which I love <laughs> scary to me it is know. scary and but I love that age group um, of children and it was fascinating for me yeah and being a teacher um, I know that at, at some point you started to feel as though something was missing mm-hmm. um, what was that I Did think you- that um, I taught until I had our third child and at that point in time, it just was costing me too much for daycare, and I really wanted to be home for yeah. three. So I, I began to stay home, and I switched to um, preschool. Okay. And my younger children could come to class with me. They weren't in my class, but they would be in the same school. And um, I think that I kind of realized it was very difficult to be a great teacher and a great mom. And I felt like something was lacking between the two. Mm. Um, but I continued to to do both for, for a long time. Um, and then it really wasn't until our oldest, who was diagnosed with learning differences and ADHD, pretty severe, went to a school for children with learning differences till he was about, um, I guess it was sixth grade, um, that I really started to just struggle with that load and trying to find his best path yep. forward. Mm-hmm. Um while managing the needs of the rest of the family. Right. Um, We're going to take a break. And when we come back, um, I want to talk about, first of all, you have five children, I want Mm -hmm. the listeners to know, and uh, some of the the struggles that you have with them. Uh, Stay with us for Dawn's Ear of Nutrisystem for our CEO Watch. Now, the women to watch, CEO Watch. Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO Watch. At some point in your career, you will likely have to deal with a crisis, whether it be unfavorable press, a disgruntled employee, a data breach, or worse. Crises come in all shapes and sizes. The most important thing is to be prepared and proactive. While this is largely a management responsibility, the board must have strong enterprise risk management oversight in place, be informed immediately of any crisis, and should have ERM as a topic at every board meeting. Here are four tips for how to effectively manage a crisis. One, be prepared. Before a crisis occurs, be sure to evaluate your business and highlight any potential areas of risk. Take a proactive approach and develop a crisis management plan for each potential threat. Be clear in your plan and have actionable steps that can be followed should a crisis arise. Also, simulate the crisis and throw yourself some curveballs. Two, have a crisis team in place to disseminate information quickly and efficiently. This team should be a core group of members across key functional areas that are available for calls or meetings at a moment's notice and work directly with the CEO. This team often includes an outside crisis firm that can be kept on retainer or speed dial. Three, communicate. Know who to inform and when. Inform your board of directors immediately. Too often they're not looped in fast enough. Keeping stakeholders, both internal and external, aware of the situation and the progress towards a resolution is imperative because it avoids the spreading of misinformation and lets everyone know that the problem's being addressed. Own it. 
And four, crisis recap. In addition to communicating to your stakeholders during a crisis, it's important to communicate with them in the aftermath. Let them know exactly what happened, why it happened, what you've done to address the problem, and what will be done going forward. Also, don't forget to post-mortem your process. Managing a crisis is never fun, but being prepared and having an action plan in place will increase the odds of a quick and successful outcome. How a company handles a crisis can sometimes supersede even the crisis itself. Be ready. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dawn Zier here for CEO Watch. Have a great week. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. If you're just joining us, I'm talking to Meg Vino uh, this evening. She's the creative director and owner of Life's Patina, which is such a beautiful name. Thank you. At Willowbrook Farm, um, just outside of Philadelphia. And we were talking about your years, um, that you were a teacher for a couple of years. And, and you do have five children. And I, you shared that your oldest... Um, had some learning disability, Asperger's, I believe mm-hmm. you said. So yeah. that's not, you know, that's severe. Right. High uh, functioning, but um, nonverbal learning differences in where, his path. Where were you living at that time? Glenmore, Pennsylvania. In Glenmore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And we were driving him to Hilltop Prep in Rosemont. Yeah. Okay. Which he was in the public school, but in sixth grade, we, we took him out and um, he started Hilltop where okay. it was a wonderful setting and fitting for him, but we had to move closer, which is what brought us to the farm that we live on now. Yeah. So would you say that, so as a teacher, you yep. have such a lot of responsibility and yes. prep time, right? Correct. That you, correct. you know, you just felt I need more um, flexibility. Yes, correct. It was very difficult to, um, to do both well. So that's when I stopped teaching. Okay. And I stayed home and tried to navigate, as I said, the oldest path. And then, you know, the care and responsibility that a mom has of for typical children, yeah, right, <laughs> under, you know, under the ages of uh, ten, yeah. So I'm wondering as well, you know, what you're doing today is, mm-hmm. is so creative, mm-hmm. and you're doing design and and restoration and architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, were you doing that in little ways and little projects? Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, I have four boys and one daughter, and. Um, Boys, the boys were rough on everything, <laughs> rough and tumble. <laughs> and I always was drawn to the old and older things and not bright and shiny and new. And I think really that experience living on the farm when I was a teenager and such, I, I really felt um, akin to the old objects. Yeah. So I, for financial reasons and otherwise, I started just collecting old things and making them into a table or um you know, using old doors as a headboard for my, mm. my kids' bedrooms and things like that. So I was doing a lot of that for our own personal life mm-hmm. and then also volunteering at all their schools um, for their special events and fundraising and um, anything that they needed for decor. Um, they kind of called me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you had that outlet I a little did. Bit. I did. I had yeah. that creative outlet and I did that for um, a good 10 years. And I just heard the comment 
over and over again, you know, from friends and, and people that were at the schools, have you ever thought of doing this for a living? You know, uh-huh. you should be. And um, that's kind of what was the impetus that that made me jump into Life's Patina. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was obviously one of my questions, because I right. think it takes a lot of belief in oneself mm-hmm. to take a risk like that. Mm-hmm. Particularly when you have five children, you know, uh, (laughs) that need your time and attention. Yes, yes. I was very fortunate. We, um, after three years of taking Christopher, our oldest, back and forth to Rosemont from Glenmore, which was about a 45-minute to an hour commute, um, we realized we needed to get him busing and to move closer because our whole family life was kind of rotated around that schedule. So we found an old farmhouse in um, Malvern which was closer to Rosemont. And I had said that we, in order for us to move, we had a phenomenal neighborhood where we were at. The kids had great friends that were like siblings. Um, The place really needed to be special and kind of talk to me. (laughs) And these walls talked. The place that we found, the walls talked. It was a bigger project that we had, you know, anticipated or had originally started looking for. But we fell in love with it and... um, purchased this farm. And then once I was there, I also continued that using old shutters, doors, windows. The barn was loaded with a plethora of old objects that I was turning into new in the home mm-hmm. as we renovated it. And what year was that? That, that you was moved uh, 2006. Oh, okay. We 2006. Moved. Yep. Were the kids as interested in, you know, the... Not the f- so much. No? No. They, I mean, they love the farm. The old stuff, They, I think they're all going to live in modern apartments because <laughs> I break for junk. <laughs> they, they're they a little um, inundated with that all the time. Yeah. My daughter, um, a little bit more, and, and a couple of my sons, I mean, they always help unload the trailers. They're a big piece of it, but they weren't as enthusiastic mm-hmm. for what I was going to do with the barn. Right. Which is really the impetus that moved me towards Life Patina, Life's Patina. There was a beautiful old bank barn on the property that was empty. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the, from the late 1700s. It's massive two-story stone barn. And we were trying to figure out a way what to do with it, how to keep it standing, how to sustain it, and how to help pay for keeping it standing. Um, and then I said in my head, <laughs> why don't I just start doing what I was doing outside of the home in the barn? I'll be able to work around my own schedule for my kids, um, be able to still do the things that were really important to me with mothering them and start this business. So it was kind of a leap of faith. Yeah. So mm-hmm. was the first part in your mind mm-hmm. um, restoring, old, you know, finding old pieces and restoring them? Or was it right away, I'm going to have these sales? Because I know you do four seasonal sales. Correct. Um, I That was in my mind from the beginning as well. Okay. Um, a couple of places that I buy from down in Virginia have kind of the same concept. And I thought, wow, I could do that in our own barn. Um, restore, make, and then also buy new and find out where to source new objects that fit in with the old, um, that provide a place that you can find, you know, a small little trinket, a gift item, or a fabulous French hutch. Mm. So kind of cover the gamut. So yeah. then I went to the Atlanta's gift market and did a lot of research and figured out how to how to do that and how to start that retail part of things. And I blend that with the um, with the old and the restoration pieces that we've created. Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking with Meg Vino, the creative director and owner of Life's Patina. And it really it's more so there's the four seasonal sales. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You also consult and give design. Um, right. Advice right. To yes. Clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specializing. You know, my, my heart is with the reclaimed objects and yeah. architectural salvage. So 
Um, typically, I'll help with that for home projects, um, a couple uh, restaurants and cafes. And um, we also hold special events right. in the barn. Yes. By the way, well. I've been there. Uh, I, I yes. was there um, c- a couple years ago. It yes. really is. There's something very serene about your property. Thank you. That's it, really what we wanted to create. Yeah. It was really, a haven. Yeah. And, and the events, they're just spectacular. Mm-hmm. I guess everything from weddings to parties, yep. holidays, celebrations. A lot of nonprofit events. We do a, a big uh, nonprofit component. All the sales give back to a local non-profit uh, charity. Yes. Um, so uh, we started eight years ago, and um, we've given over $100,000 to different nonprofits local, in the area. Local, local. All local. Yeah. Yep. So I know that you choose a different cause for each sale. Correct. Is there Correct. a cause, is there one cause in, that's most important to um, you? Two of my sons were diagnosed in the last eight years with dysautonomia, which is a, um, and POTS, it's called postular orthostatic tachycardia. So dysautonomia international is one near and dear to my heart, mm-hmm. which is trying to find a cure. Um, as well as anything, I really put my feelers out there to try to find unique organizations, small grassroots that don't have a lot of exposure mm. to try to expose yeah, them. Yeah, that's a great idea. Thank we're going you. to take another break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, 2016 when life kind of threw you a curve. Stay with us for Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie for your health watch and Terry and Maggie for finance. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch health watch. For health watch, I'm Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie. The carpal tunnel, a narrow passageway on the palm side of your wrist, which contains bones, ligaments, and the tendons that help your fingers bend. One nerve, the median nerve, also passes through the tunnel, provides sensation in the thumb and first three fingers all but your little finger. It also controls small muscles at the base of your thumb, which control your grip. Carpal tunnel syndrome is the disability caused by pressure on the median nerve, from swelling in the wrist after sprain or fracture, rheumatoid arthritis swelling or inflammation, retained fluid during pregnancy, an underactive thyroid, diabetes. Three times more common in women, we have smaller tunnels. Obesity adds risk. Now, it's possible that working with vibrating tools or on an assembly line with repetitive bending of the wrist may cause pressure on the nerve, but there's no convincing evidence. Also, no clear link with computer use that can cause a different hand pain. Symptoms? Numbness or tingling can come and go in thumb and fingers, except the pinky. Maybe pain in wrist or palm. Comes when holding the steering wheel, phone, toothbrush. May wake you from sleep and you want to shake out your hand or wrist. With time, your grip can become weak and you may start dropping things. Early diagnosis and treatment are essential to avoid permanent damage to the nerve. Keep computer keyboard at elbow height or lower. Use pads under your wrists. See your doctor. For mild symptoms, a wrist brace, especially during sleep, keeps you from bending your wrist. May need an injection. Try to find a hand surgeon for this. More severe symptoms, surgery under local or regional anesthesia does not need an overnight hospital stay. It's one of the most common surgeries in the U.S. Although recurrence after treatment is rare, fewer than half of patients feel completely normal after surgery. Residual numbness or weakness is common. So divas, get a grip. So you're ready when the Beatles say, I want to hold your hand. 
Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth and invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch Finance Watch. Hi, this is Maggie. And this is Terry. And we're from Fortis Wealth. More and more adult children are juggling responsibilities as caregivers for one or both of their aging parents. Research shows that about 17% of adult children provide some level of care for a parent, and they commit about 77 hours on average each month. That doesn't include those who provide round-the-clock care. Research also shows that caregivers often contribute to the cost of care-related expenses. This trend is sure to continue. If you find yourself in this situation, here are some tips to consider. First, pick a point of contact. One sibling or other close relative should be in charge of communicating with doctors. This person should have a health care power of attorney for the parent. Second, find a family-friendly primary doctor and make sure reports from specialists are sent to that doctor. Three, create a central storage place for vital documents, medical records, social security number, and health insurance information. Hard copies should be duplicated and stored in fire and waterproof locations. Digital imaging and storage services offer a convenient place to access files remotely. Fourth, talk to your parent about long-term care insurance. Long-term care costs continue to rise faster than inflation and can quickly deplete your parents' savings. If your parents can qualify, paying the premiums for them can help safeguard your savings from their future health care expenses. Five, Consider adult daycare services. Often these programs will keep them physically active and engaged in a community and will still allow you to work. Six, create a care circle. A network of neighbors, church members, and friends can keep in touch with your parents regularly and contact you in an emergency. Seven, discuss finances. The point of contact person or another competent relative should have a financial power of attorney. They should know the location of accounts and policies and the contact information for key advisors. Your financial advisor should be made aware of your situation and help you find ways to balance the pressures of financially helping your retiring parents and saving for your own retirement. This is Terry. And this is Maggie. Peace out. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch. I'm speaking with Meg Vino, the creative director and owner of Life's Patina at Willowbrook. Willowbrook Farm. That's a mouthful. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and listen, we couldn't share your story without talking about an event uh, that happened to you in 2016, which is one of those just out of, you know, out of nowhere, life throws you a curveball. So tell yes. our listeners what happened. Um, I had been having some crazy symptoms for about 12 years with severe headaches and numbness and forgetfulness, which we all, as we age, that so you seems ignore, to be for, not right. We ignore, exactly. It's just women's, yeah. uh, something that happens as you age. And um, 
But I was getting to the point where motion sickness was really extreme and I would walk down the grocery store aisle and look both ways and feel like I was, you know, going to get sick. And it was just it got so extreme that I was concerned. So I went to um, the doctor and ENT and they said I had damage to my left inner ear. We researched it a little bit further and there was no tumor or anything causing it. And he said, well, it just must be um, a virus that you had. Mm. So a couple of years later, I fell skiing um, hit the back of my head, and those symptoms in the three months after that kind of progressively got even worse. And I said, whoa, this is not something that's normal. So I went back to my doctor, and she did some some testing, CAT scans, MRIs, and diagnosed a Chiari malformation, which is something that you're born with um, at birth. But if you have a blow to the head or you fall, uh, can make the symptoms worse. So that was life-altering in that, you know, we're a very active family, hike, ski, um, and all of a sudden doing th- things like bending over, you know, mm. caused my head to feel like it was going to pop off my body and I could no longer do a lot of the physical things that I had done. So um, my option was to have a decompression surgery uh, and a craniectomy. And um, so I had brain surgery uh, two years ago in January, mm-hmm. so two and a half now, Um and while there's no cure, they just try to kind of decompress that area. So I'm still living with a lot of the symptoms, but it really um, caused me to live life differently and, and to carry on life to have to learn how to adapt. Mm. Um, and I think change is hard, ex- is, especially as we age. And um, physical pain, you know, when you have chronic pain, um, is also difficult. So how do you get past that. And, you know, I could either stay in bed and under my covers and never get out again yep, <laughs> or learn right? how Which to. Which some people might Yeah, have. absolutely. Yeah. And I yeah. can absolutely understand why. And I think I really credit that resiliency factor and that, um, you know, we can we can plow through no matter what. Um, the good stock you the came from. It's exactly uh, tremendously with yeah. the mindset yeah. to, to kind of continue every day and, and keep going and try to find answers and... Um, and live the best life that you can. Which, from a medical standpoint, mm-hmm. is there any, you know, hope for a cure or better treatment? Um, hopefully. <laughs> There's a Chiari Foundation, and it's not one of those, you know, the other thing that I found out with, with the medical field. There are so many of these things that people never hear of that um, others are suffering from, and there's no money for research. So um, hopefully in the the years to come, there will be more money for research to mm-hmm. figure out, um, besides a de- decompression surgery, how to yeah how to treat how it. to treat it yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and would they say to you now that you'll need to have it done again, or was it? Um, there's a lot of people that do have to have it done again, okay, and do have to have the surgery again. I'm um, trying not to focus on that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, yes. Um, what was the scariest part when you found out? Um. I think just hearing that word brain surgery, you often think, um, wow, that's, you know, part of my body. I don't want anybody to touch. Yeah. Um, But I was so very thankful that it wasn't a tumor Mm -hmm. or cancer. Right. um, And it was something that I could live with. Um, And that surgery, I think, was the most difficult piece because there's a lot of risk to it. And as there is with every surgery, but when they're again, you know, in your brain, there's there's some... um, 
risks. Yeah. That, and I think that was the most frightening part. Yeah. I, you know, you obviously have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And I want to share another quote that you said that um, was really talking about you're taking on another project, which <laughs> I think you have enough on your plate, but you're just one of those people. You said, I've heard my mother state a million times growing up, I need another renovation like I need a hole in the head. <laughs> yes. And so you said, wait, I already have a hole in my head, <laughs> exactly. so why not go for it? <laughs> exactly. And I think humor helps. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited yep. to talk to you about your, your latest project, the mm-hmm. um, where's my the Jenny Lind yes. house. Yes. And I you know, I you came uh, upon this property that needs love mm-hmm. and tell me how it spoke to you, this particular house. Um I do believe one of the things that has drawn me to life's patina um, is the stories behind the objects that we find and finding them a new life. And I think many houses have stories and they're based around the people that have lived in them. And there's connections that happen in life, I think, that happen for a reason. So the farm that we live on now is owned by um, a film producer, Shorty Yeaworth, who did The Blob, cult classic, back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And he owned, um, before he owned our place, he owned the entire Yellow Springs Village, the historic Yellow Springs. Okay. And, um, which is where this Jenny Lend house is. Mm-hmm. And um, when we moved into our place, there's this phenomenal, fabulous 14-foot old farm table that's in the center of the barn. And the legs were rotten, and I kind of cut them down. And it's still in the center of the barn. It's our mainstay for all of our events. All the beautiful gift items. Yes, Yes. absolutely. And that, when I was touring Historic Yellow Springs a few years back, they were one of our nonprofits that we benefited for one of our sales. Um, The exact same table was in their building. And I said, well, wait a second, we have the same one. And they told me the story about Shorty and and such. Um, So I felt a connection that he had lived and created stories in both places, our oh. home now, and then this Jenny Lind house, the village in which it resides. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes a little further in that we had researched the history of our house now, Willowbrook Farm. Uh, my son and I, whose senior project was to research the history of the house, and found the the owner that lived there the longest was the um, Rickabau family for 75 years back in the late 1700s. And we found his will, and his daughter, whose name was Margaret, um, inherited the featherbed. <laughs> Fancy <laughs> that. The, and I'm assuming you're Margaret. I'm a Margaret. You're a Margaret. I'm a Margaret. Owned by Meg. Exactly. Yeah. And the owner that built the house, the Jenny Lind house, um, was Margaret Holman. Oh my gosh. So I just felt this. I don't know. It was speaking to me, saying, yes. "You need to help." Save me yeah. and bring me to the future. I want to talk more about when we come back, uh, coincidences mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things that happen for a reason. Some people believe it and some people don't. I do, I for do sure. sure. Um, yes. And just want to talk more about okay. that and how it's played out in your life. Sounds great. Stay with us for Mary Manzo for your Tech Watch. We'll be right back. Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. 
Hi, I'm Mary Manso from Pathways Consulting Group. If you're a technology leader, you know that keeping your tech teams engaged and empowered can be a challenge at times. Technology is changing at lightning speed, so having a culture that leaves your teams feeling motivated, energetic, and happy is critical to your business, your clients, as well as the health of your teams. When teams are under pressure and morale is low, it can quickly be recognized and reflected in the work your teams produce and have great impact on projects. Innovation and creativity will become stagnant and for certain your clients will feel it. At Pathways, we believe we have a good culture. Recently, we were ranked in the top 20 best small business firms to work for by Consulting Magazine. But what we've discovered is that although we feel we have a great culture, we haven't really defined it and so our teams may not know what that really means. And as we scale and grow, the translation of culture could get lost. It's not enough for us to have a game room, beanbag chairs, hammocks, free lunch Fridays, and flexible work from home days. And it's definitely not enough to profess great culture. We need everyone in our company to understand what it means to be culturally sound. So we'll be going through the journey of defining culture. With the help of Chris Chula, author of the book, We Culture, we hope to better define what it means to engage and empower our teams to drive results. In his book, he discusses that how people are motivated has changed. Baby boomers are retiring at a rate of 10,000 per day. And in the next two years, millennials will make up 50% of the U.S. workforce and make up the growing number of employees in the tech industry. This shift of generations will place different expectations on employers. We're excited to engage Chris Chula and We Culture to help us create a greater place to work so that everyone can bring their best self forward every day. Stay tuned for future segments as I take you through our experience of shaping culture and creating a more innovative Pathways Consulting Group. Now more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We're having a great conversation this evening with the creative director and owner of Life's Patina, which I probably should have asked at the top of the show where that name came from. I, you know, and I don't know that everyone knows the word patina. So, mm-hmm. um, patina, you're right. I've had it pronounced all sorts of ways, <laughs> but patina is basically the way an object ages and beautifies over time. So that fabulous French door that you might see on a street side in Provence or something um, that has just many marks on it but they're beautiful and the the cast that the wood takes and the metals take as they age and are oxidized by the air and the elements and the fingerprints that have touched them they develop a a beautiful hue and I felt that life also um, was running parallel and my life was running parallel to that um, aging of a door I was Mm -hmm. aging um, some aging not as welcomed as others, <laughs> but I felt like my life um, was enriched by every experience that I was experiencing and every moment that um, I grew from. And I think that the people and the places that we go to in our lives and that touch us enrich us and make our lives that much more beautiful as we age. I think that's such a beautiful outlook to have, Thank right? You. And and why choose any other outlook if we know that we have no choice but to, to age? age? There's no going right? back. So no, that really you exactly. Know, we exactly. do become more and more yep. beautiful. Although our culture today really would Sways the say other way. the opposite. Exactly. It's always trying to change that. Yes. And people want kind of shiny and new. And, yeah. and we try to give these objects, you know, a new life mm-hmm. and a new purpose. Um, and it's kind of like the the f- philosophy I have with life. If, if you know, if, if a door closes, um, another one might not open, <laughs> but you might veer to the right or you might have to veer to the left. To, to find that next opening yeah. doesn't open right away. But I think that um, 
you know, you have to reinvent life just like you reinvent the objects that we try to do for life's patina into a new life. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important. What's your, um, maybe a mantra or philosophy, you manage a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot happening in your life. Mm-hmm. So you have a team mm-hmm. of people who work for you. Yeah. And again, your family is large, five children, mm-hmm. taking on this new restoration project. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying that, I think, would rattle some people. Mm-hmm. So do you rely on faith? Do you rely on maybe you're just really efficient? Co- combination <laughs> of things, yeah. I think. Um, yes, faith. Um, I also... Um, I'm a bit of a control freak and a perfectionist. Okay. So I have visions of, of, of how I want things to turn out, mm-hmm. and I'm not a great delegator. So I have to be honest. Oh. <laughs> and with this blog that I write, I share a lot of those imperfections that I have and that I think that others wrestle with, mm-hmm. but they see on the internet and um, all the social media today that those image, you know, the images they see are perfect. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect. Right. So that's a good question asking me, how do I manage it all? Um, I do have very high energy and um, I'm a doer. I just yeah. always have been. Yeah. So I think I'm able to do a lot mm-hmm. in a smaller period of time, I think. And I, ch- I welcome that challenge. So um, it's almost internal and I'm working with the organizational piece because I think I could not do as much and learn how to delegate more. Yeah. Um, I have one full-time girl and a, a few part-timers mm-hmm. um, and I should be should be delegating more, but that's a tough thing for me to do. Well, it sounds, it. yeah, that you're you're joyful in the busy. Yes, correct. Which I think is, I is good. And But it's yes. important for other women to know, too, perhaps they're not joyful in busy, right? right. And they're better doing, what? focusing on one thing, totally which is perfectly agree, fine. Totally agree, Susan. Totally yeah. agree. Whatever. I think you really have to find what works for you and mm-hmm. what fills your soul. Yeah. And what makes you happy. And... And then run with that. Yeah. But Brings what's wonderful about your life is that you were able to turn that into a business. Yes. So, yeah. Incredibly blessed and fortunate um, that it's all worked out because I know, you know, I a lot of people said you're crazy and what are you doing? <laughs> what are you and doing? Exactly. And my, even my own, you know, children were, people aren't going to come to this barn and buy old stuff. <laughs> That's what they would say. Um, but I think it's really, we really try to speak to how they how people feel when they come in. So it's not really buying stuff um, so much as the experience. I love experiences and celebrations, and I think being a teacher gave me that background with um, celebrating things. We always had theme days when the kids were growing up, and each day and each moment, even the mundane, can be filled with so much more joy mm-hmm. if our outlook about them is different. Mm, yes, and I think we really try to speak and live that at at the barn. So when you when you look at life's patina, what's your mm-hmm. overall vision? Is mm-hmm. it you know, do you see it getting even bigger? You know, especially with this latest project restoring. Um, gosh, don't ask my husband that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yes, I do actually. I, I I love writing. I've I've found the blog that I write very cathartic. I read um, your. I think I'm not sure if it was your latest blog, but I have to tell you, you know, in the morning, I'm all about knocking out my emails. Right. And I was, you know, researching for this interview. And I started reading your whole story about, right. you know, the, the Lindy house and everything. Yep. And I got sucked in. You write beautifully. Oh, thank I, really, you. I was oh, uh, on the edge of my seat about what's coming next. <laughs> you know, I write just probably how I speak, which can be long winded. No, so that's, it's, <laughs> it can be a detriment. But I really feel that people um, who view, again, that that the outward picture, the photograph that you see does not always 
show what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. And I think life, um, you know, our life looks, this, the farm is beautiful. The property is beautiful. The barn is beautiful. We've, it's been a labor of love. Um, and our life is beautiful, and it, but it has many challenges. And I think it's important for me to share those with others. So that's my favorite part of this business. And I'd like to grow bigger with that, with sharing that message mm-hmm. and kind of sharing um, that philosophy of, Life is not perfect. It's filled with imperfections, but those two can be beautiful. Mm. And, and so you know, you're a perfect one to give that message, you know, oh. with your own uh, battle with the illness and having children that need right. a little extra yes. care. Um, but exactly. this this will be the first time you're venturing into restaurant business. Yes, right? retail be a cafe. cafe. Yes. Yeah. And that kind of extends with that um, feeling of creating an experience. So we want to food. create a really, yes, we're big foodies and yeah. a, a unique venue uh, space and a, a great place to come. And have a business meeting, share a cup of coffee, um, shop the mercantile, and um, hopefully at some point in time an inn above it, which would would serve the village as well. And I'm assuming you'll have the story, the history will be somewhere for people to read? Absolutely, for sure. That's our main goal is just to, uh, it's a beautiful old home that we want to give a second life to. Yeah. Well, listen, I think what you're doing is wonderful, and I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Yes, can't wait for you to visit. Yeah, and I'm sure the community is excited and happy, the neighborhood. They seem to be very, yes, very excited. We've been welcomed with open arms, which is exciting in and Um, of itself. Lastly, your kids, Mm -hmm. are they helping with any of the restoration? My oldest son um, works for me in the barn, and he does all our woodworking and and has been helping with the restoration. That's great. That's a really, that's a blessing in itself. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Meg, thanks so much for joining me. You are quite welcome. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Sue. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.